Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church. Uh, We are talking about marriage and family and relationships. And one reason we're taking so much time to talk about marriage and family and relationships is uh, because they're important, as I keep saying, but also uh, because they can be hard. Uh, Relationships can be really hard. And unfortunately, even though God's designed marriage and family uh, to be a place of great joy, many people find it to be kind of just the opposite. It can be really, really difficult and uh, sometimes confusing to know what to do. If you ever sat down with someone who's having problems in their marriage or problems in their families and they start describing to you what's going on, it can feel honestly overwhelming and you can understand why they feel like they don't know where to start. Sometimes the place to start, maybe not even just sometimes, but almost all the time, the place to start when you don't know what to do is with with what you do know what to do. Uh, In other words, um, When something is really complicated, it can be helpful to go back to what is not complicated and make sure that you really are committed to doing what is clear. And I thought I could remind you of six very clear principles to remember in the middle of difficult relationships are six core convictions that you have got to be committed to if you are going to honor God and do what's right and have any hope really of moving forward in complicated relationships. The first uh, conviction, uh, and this is, this is just a, a comforting one, is that uh, Jesus knows Jesus knows it's hard, and uh, Jesus loves you. He has proven that he is committed to you, and he hasn't forgotten you. It might feel like he's forgotten you, or it might feel like he's put you in a situation that uh, is absolutely impossible and hopeless and nothing but bad. But James, in James 1 Verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and that you need to let endurance have its perfect work in you that you might be complete and perfect or mature, lacking nothing. And James is saying we need to think of trials as a reason for joy. And what are trials? Trials are a test of faith. Trials are a situation that comes into your life where you don't just doubt that there is a God, but that you are tempted to doubt that God is for you. That's what a trial is. If you're wondering whether or not God is for you, that is a trial. But you can consider it a reason for joy because you know, you know, you might not feel like it, but you know that he is. God is for you. And so if you're 
in a difficult marriage relationship, difficult family relationship, it seems so complicated. You have to preach the gospel to yourself over and over and over and over and over again. If you start thinking that God is against you, that Jesus has forgotten you, there's really little hope for moving forward and a lot of excuses for doing what's wrong. And uh, those excuses are, uh, they, they, they seem reasonable to a lot of people and they might even feel reasonable to you, but they're not necessarily reasonable because they're not based on what is absolutely true. And that is that Jesus knows. Jesus is for you. That's, that's number one. Number two, a uh, second conviction you have to have for sure is that you are not God. Jesus knows. That's number one, comforting. Number two is maybe a little more challenging. One of the the most important things you can ever understand as a human being, it's like so simple and yet uh, probably one of the hardest things for people to believe and one of the uh, most common reasons people have the problems they have. And that is that they are acting or thinking or feeling like they are God, and they are not. You and I, we are not God. There is one God. And so when it comes to marriage and and family, that has a lot of practical implications. For one thing, it means that he is the final authority. What He's the one who created marriage. He's the one who created family. He's the one who designed marriage and family. And he has a plan for how marriage and family is supposed to work. And so, of course, every family and every marriage relationship is going to be different in this way or that. But at the same time, they're not going to be all that different because marriage and family is not a human invention. And so what matters is not what you or I say the marriage or family should be like, but what God says. And really, when it comes to working out problems, if if a couple or a family can can all be committed to that, it, it gives a lot of hope. What's hard is if one member of the family is committed to that and the other isn't. But if if a couple can both be committed to the fact that God is God over their relationship, and they are not, then there's hope for for moving forward because uh, it means that uh, it's not really so much about what I want or uh, what you want. I mean, that has something to say, but at the end of the day, it's not me trying to get you to do what I want and, and you trying to get me to do what you want, but it's both of us coming together and saying, what does God want? for our marriage relationship and for our family. And again, uh, just like there's not going to be much movement forward until you believe Jesus is for you, there's definitely not going to be much movement forward until you remember that you're not God. God is God. And if you're going to change, if your marriage is going to be uh, one that honors him and is good for you, you're you're both going to need to believe that. And If only one of you believes that, of course, that gives you an opportunity to trust God that he he knows and that this trial is a means that he's brought into your life for for you to honor him. And that's a a third core conviction, I think, that uh, absolutely has to be uh, true of you. 
and that, that is that God's glory matters more ultimately than your comfort. So, obviously, most of us, we come out of the womb wanting our comfort above all and our glory first. And that's what we're really seeking with a passion in life. We want the world to conform to what makes us comfortable. And we want the people around us to give us the respect we deserve. And we get really, really, really upset when they don't. And that creates a lot of problems, obviously, in marriages and families when you have every single member sometimes trying to be comfortable and making their comfort the greatest priority and their glory the greatest priority in the relationship. When as Christians, we know that it just flat out isn't. Why does marriage and family exist? Certainly God designed marriage and family as a place of safety and as a place of, of comfort and joy. That's his, that's his design for sure. In a uh, non-fallen world, that is exactly how it would work. But now, of course, we're living in a world where we're sinners. And so, unfortunately, sadly, marriage and family sometimes isn't comfortable. And that can be really discouraging and that can be really hard. But that's not hopeless because there is something that matters to us as believers even more than us being comfortable and us being respected and that is that God is glorified and difficult marriages and difficult relationships actually provide us an opportunity to do just that. Sometimes if, if marriage and family was only about our comfort or even first about our comfort and glory, sometimes there are relationships that would pretty much be hopeless because you look at them and you're like, you know what? That's never going to be comfortable. <laughs> that's, I can't imagine that that's ever going to be comfortable. That's 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 probably never going to to do for you what you you wish it would do for you. And that is that is sad. It's hard. And people like that need a lot of support. People in relationships like that need a lot of support. But at the same time, they have an opportunity. You have the, this. It's just flat out true. You have an opportunity in a difficult relationship to bring glory and honor to God that even sometimes people in easier relationships don't have. Because like Jesus said, uh, it's not very hard to love those who love you, but I'll tell you what is hard is to love those who don't. And the only way really you can love someone who doesn't love you is through supernatural strength and through faith, knowing that you're not doing it just for them, you're doing it for, for Jesus and for his glory. And so these are a couple core convictions uh, for us when we are uh, in difficult relationships. And honestly, even if we're not, these, these have to be core convictions for us as believers. One, Jesus knows. Two, God is God and I am not. And because he's God, three, his glory matters even more than my comfort. When you, when you think about all of those, you can probably see why uh, there's a, a, another conviction that comes next, and that is, uh, I need God. <laughs> I need God. I, I can't do this apart from God's strength. If you uh, talk to unbelievers who are getting married, I, 
I think that a lot of times they think of marriage and family as something they can do. They can do. They're pretty good, they would imagine. And if they have problems, well, I, I, then they need some instructions. But they can basically do this. And there are some people who would say they're believers who actually act like that. I, I, I kind of got this. I'm pretty good at relationships. I, I can do this. And yet, if we really are believers, uh, we should know that actually we don't simply need more instructions to have the kind of relationships God wants us to have. We need God's supernatural intervention. We are uh, so broken and so sinful that uh, we can destroy any relationship. I sometimes uh, have thought, you know, you put me in the room with anyone, even the best person in the world, I could break that relationship if if I were left to myself, for sure. And so I don't come into relationships, we can't come into relationships with sort of an arrogant attitude. I'm basically okay, I'm basically good. No, we're not on our own. We're definitely not. We're selfish, hateful, spiteful, malicious sinners. And you think that is hard. Well, read Ephesians 2. Read Ephesians 2, what we were like before God saved us. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. And the only reason we're not like that now is because of God's grace. And if God took his grace away for even a minute, you know what? We would go back to being who we were. We are people who are 100% dependent on God so that we can glorify God and have the kind of relationships he wants us to have. And recognizing that we're dependent like that should, first of all, of course, make us prayerful. <laughs> it should make us very prayerful in relationships. But also, second of all, it should make us humble. God, I, I, I need your grace. And if I'm doing what's right in this relationship, it's only because you have acted in my life. You have shown me a kindness that I don't deserve. What I deserve is your condemnation. What I deserve is hell. But you are at work in my life and you are changing me and you're enabling me to honor you. But if you took that away, I'm done. I'm done. And so if I really believe that I am that dependent on God's grace, you know what that's going to do? It's going to make me a person who shows grace. Our homes as believers should be filled with such grace. That doesn't mean we don't recognize that there is there's consequences for sin, and uh, there are times actually even when a person's uh, living in unrepentant sin and they're, they're making the relationship uh, impossible. Uh, that's why the Bible says, as far as it is uh, possible, live at peace with all men. Uh, sometimes it's not dependent on you. That other person is, is really uh, abusive and, and wicked, and that's even why in the church there's something called church discipline. There comes a point. Of course, when a person uh, is living in unrepentant sin and the consequences of their sin make it impossible to have that uh, relationship be the same as it was before until there is a radical work of God. But while there are consequences, those consequences aren't self-righteous consequences. And, and, And what I mean is that we even if we a relationship has to be broken it's it's not because we think that we're so much better than the other person but we recognize apart from the grace of god there we go 
there we go. And so uh, what are the convictions that we need uh, for marriage? Uh, What are some of the basic, simple things that we need to go back to when relationships get complicated? Jesus knows. God is God. His glory matters most. I desperately need him. Uh, Jesus, here's another one. Jesus is Lord, and that that's like a fundamental confession that I made back when I became a Christian. And Lord means boss. Jesus is in charge of me. And yet I don't see Jesus right there in front of me uh, right now. And so how do I honor him as my master, as my Lord? Well, in the Bible, he tells me. And uh, one of the ways he tells me I can honor him is by the way I relate to other people. Our relationships with other people are about so much more than our relationships with other people. The way we relate to other people reflects our attitude towards Jesus. He is the ultimate reference point for all of our relationships, not so much the way the other person is acting, but Jesus, what does he want? How can I please him? And that's so important. If you make the other person's attitude and actions your reference point for how you're going to respond and relate to them, you're going to have a very difficult time moving forward because people change. Some days they do the right thing, other days they don't, which means if they're your reference point, the way you respond to them is going to be constantly going up and down. But with Jesus, he doesn't change. And what's more, when you only focus on the other person, if that is the only person you're looking at, there are going to be times when you can't see doing the right thing because they might actually be evil. If it's only them and you in the relationship, there's not much hope because they might just not be a good person. And that's why the Bible doesn't encourage you to love others simply because they deserve it, but instead to love others in faith. faith. It's almost like you need to see Jesus smiling, standing behind the person who is uh, so difficult to live with. I had a friend who came under attack and he was describing how painful it was and he just wanted to attack back. And he was invited to sit across the table and kind of have a conference with the people who were attacking him and they were just unleashing on him, which was awful. And I asked him how he was able to continue to respond with the grace and kindness in the middle of that. And he said he just imagined tape recording. uh, This was back in the days of tape recording, but recording the conversation and sitting down afterwards with Jesus and listening. And so he made it his primary goal to speak in a way that would make Jesus happy. And of course, that means that doesn't always mean that we just uh, uh, we just ignore sin. It doesn't mean that there Jesus rebuked. The Pharisees. He rebuked people who were abusing others, for sure. He was strong. And even Paul, you think about uh, when the people came into Galatia and were messing with the gospel, he loved the Galatians enough to stand up to those who he saw were manipulating them for their own approval. And he said some really stern things. But the point is, it wasn't first and foremost about Paul and those other people. It was about Paul and his relationship with Jesus. And so Paul stood up in that moment because of his love for Jesus. And there were other times where Paul just took it because of his love for Jesus. But it was always about Jesus. To me, to live is Christ. And that's something that has to be a conviction in the middle of all of our relationships. And then finally, a final conviction that can help us when things are confusing. What do we know for sure to be true? 
Well, we know Jesus is for us. We know God is God. We know that God's glory really matters, and we have a chance to glorify him in the middle of that this situation. We know that God is our, our strength. It's not about us, so that enables us to show grace. It also reminds us we can do more than we could think because God's able to to give us the strength to do more than we could think. We remember that Jesus is Lord, and we're seeking to honor him first and foremost. And then finally, um, God is pursuing our holiness, and he can use difficult people and family relationships and, and is certainly using our marriages to do that. And that can be painful, <laughs> for sure, and it can be uh, discouraging, and it's okay to lament, and it's okay to be sad at times, but at the same time, it's it's good. It's good. Holiness is good. Holiness is good. It's beautiful. First of all, it is beautiful. A holy person is a beautiful person. This is God's beauty, his holiness. If God's making you more holy, he's beautifying you. He's making you a beautiful person. But it's not just beautiful. It's also just, it's good. It has, holiness has a, a, a massive influence in this world right now on others. You being holy is a way of you giving strength to others. If you've ever been around a holy person, you receive strength from them. And it has eternal rewards. Holiness has eternal rewards. And it's something only that God only can be true of Christians. Non-Christians can't be holy. And so this is something that God only does in Christians. He's giving you a gift. He only gives to his dearest friends when he gives you holiness. And so in the middle of a, a hard, hard marriage or in the middle of a complex a relationship, it's not fun. You want out. That's normal. That's part of being human. If there is a, a good way out, yeah, God, a biblical way out, there, there are times where that is appropriate. But at the same time, we can't only think of, of these relationships as bad because God is at work even when things are confusing. And one way he's working, we know for sure, is he's teaching us, he's maturing us. That was James, right? He's making, he's teaching us to endure. And, and the purpose of that is that we might be perfect and complete. And that's what we want to be as Christians. That's what we want to be as Christians. We, would, we want to be perfect and complete. And one of the primary ways that God does that is through uh, relationships. And sometimes... He does it through uh, relationships that are not as easy as we would wish them to be.